The force will be with you. Always. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars Alliance. Of course, I'm your host, Clay. And with me today is, of course, Katie. That is my phone. I do apologize. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Katie, uh, we actually have, not for the first time, but uh, it seems that there is some Star Wars discourse. When is there not Star Wars discourse? But Star Wars discourse over... um, who the best Jedi is, specifically surrounding one individual character, which I can see the debate for and against this. Um, Travis Snell made a really good point on on one of them. Um, but uh, that's going to be a topic of discussion today. Uh, that topic being, is Anakin Skywalker the best Jedi? Um, I feel like that is a very controversial conversation. Um, because... I think there's a lot of people that say no, and that's what makes it conver- uh, con- uh, controversial. But I know that there's a lot of people that might also say yes, which is also controversial. Um, so it's going to be really, really fun to hear your side of that. Um, we got uh, Emmy nominations this morning um, regarding a lot of Lucasfilm stuff. Uh, we will be breaking down and talking about the Ahsoka trailer. Um both Katie and I have our tinfoil hats on fully um, after that trailer. We had a small text conversation yesterday about uh, one of the beloved characters that we'll be talking about in our season two, uh, a recap of Rebels, which is, of course, our uh, is is going down the journey of Rebels uh, to, of course, uh, get us prepared for Ahsoka. So, Katie, are you ready to dig into this? Yes, let's go. I realized I hadn't said anything other than laughed. So, <laughs> hi guys. Um, sorry, I was tweeting, trying to be more productive with my tweets, which, by the way, neither of us tweeted about our Rise of the Red Blade review last week. That is up and active for everyone. So, we're going to be tweeting that tomorrow with all of the highlights from other people's reviews. Yes. Um, so you can go check those out. Um, but obviously, um, we had um, Tarkin's um, Top Shelf, Minoc Manor. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. Oh, I will have it. I will have it, I promise. Um, we had a lot of people participate in like feedback and stuff on the book. Um, um, and of course, the book was the yes, other podcast. Yes. Uh, and of course, the book does not come out for another six days. Um, I believe it is out on the 18th. Uh, so um, remember, if you want to wait, you can definitely wait and then listen to it. Or you can listen to it and then kind of, you know, uh, read the book at your own, uh, you know, with all spoilers uh, already known. And we yep. were we were vague on one particular part of the story just because we think it was probably the biggest in, in terms of character development. Um, and so we kept that kind of hidden. But we went ahead and, and talked about a lot of things in that book. Uh, so, yeah, it was a very, very fun discussion. Um, and honestly, the the 
conversation around the doom and gloom of the book <laughs> was very, very interesting. Uh, that's the, uh, the most teaser I will give you for that review. Um, so, Katie, um, Emmy nominations. I was not able to look at all of these, but uh, we know that Andor has some. Um, but controversially, uh, we didn't see uh, Diego Luna at all get a nomination we didn't see any actor nominations which sucked because i andor had the most amazing cast involved um and like i was i was saying like if andy circus doesn't get a nomination i will be so mad and i am mad and uh chris brought up a very good point it's all about how you where you push people for the nominations what you have them listed as um and so like the the criteria for the Emmys is just very technical. Um, so you do have to be like aware of how everything's going to go. Um, so it does, it does suck, but obviously uh, last of us got some great nominations. They, I think were second in the nominee list. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the first place was succession, which had its final season. So, um, I think they had succession had 27 nominees Holy and cow. yeah. And the last of us had 24. So a lot, a lot of nominations. So good. Yeah. Good job. HBO. Way to go. <laughs> Max, whatever you want to call yourselves. All right. So for star Wars, um, outstanding drama series and or outstanding limited or anthology series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So they did get nominations in those categories, um, which is superb. Um, outstanding cinematography uh, was given to The Mandalorian Chapter 20, The Foundling, and Andor Rick's Road. And obviously, I'm saying giving, given to, but like these are nominations. The Emmys right now are scheduled for September 18th. That could be pushed, though. With the strikes. Yeah. Happy Strike Eve to the Actors Guild if it actually happens. I don't know. Um, I think that Mandalorian... should be a topic of discussion also, by the way. Yeah. I think we could talk about what was said about the Writers Guild and everything else, but we'll talk about after the Emmys. Yeah, we could totally do that. Um, Mandalorian Chapter 22 got uh, costuming, uh, directing for Andor Rick's Road, Picture editing, Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 6. Um, outstanding character hairstyling, Chapter 19, The Convert. <laughs> it's very interesting to have hairstyling as a nominee when the, the convert, correct me if I'm wrong, was Bo-Katan getting involved in the cult where they all wear masks and headgear <laughs> right am i wrong i i think so um i would have to double check uh but if that's the case i mean i guess bo-katan's hair was just really on point you know <laughs> yeah i guess could be um chapter 22 guns for hire got uh outstanding makeup that is non-prosthetic uh, Rick's Road for Andor has had a lot of nominations. It got musical composition. Um, and then music composition for a documentary series or special was 
Uh, Light and Magic was nominated for Gang of Outsiders. Um, I'm going to start going quicker through these because obviously these are a lot of very technical uh, names uh, for these. Okay, so main title theme music and or I I can agree with this one. I can agree with that one. Yes. Now, these would be considered technically what are they called? The above the line and below the line. These are all the below the line nominations, correct? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the only above the line, which would be like acting wise, would be like the outstanding drama, outstanding limited series. Yeah. Um, nominations. Okay, so Andor and Mandalorian both got nominated for sound editing. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi did as well. Uh, I can totally sound agree mixing. with that. I can yeah. agree with that. Sound mixing for Obi Wan and Mando um visual effects in a season for andor and then okay final (laughs) final ones uh stunt coordination mandalorian uh outstanding stunt performance mandalorian um and then outstanding writing and if if this does not win i don't know what else will (laughs) is it andor yeah andor and it's the one way out episode so it needs to win. It needs if it doesn't to win, win, what oh, else is man. nominated? Okay, I gotta look this up because we gotta. We gotta see. You have to. If there's a Last of Us episode, you have to tell me which episode because I think I already know which episode they would probably nominate. For okay, um, so the Last of Us was long, long time. Oh, shoot. Long, long time. I can't remember which episode that was. While you look that up, I'm going to tell everybody the rest of them. Bad Sisters, The Prick. I've never heard of that TV show. Um, Better Call Saul had two episodes, Point and Shoot and Saul Gone. Succession had Connor's Wedding. And The White Lotus had Arrivederci. Yeah, so it was the episode that I thought it was. I thought it was named something else, but uh, Long, Long Time was uh, Last of Us Episode 3, which was really the one episode that broke everybody's heart. Um, right, that one. was the one with Offerman and everybody. Yes. yeah. <laughs> so that's that makes total sense. Um, that's going to be rough. I don't know which one I want to win more, to be completely honest. Last of Us was such a good series. I know, Katie, unfortunately, you were unable to watch it due to, uh, you know, the spookies. And that's okay. You know, it, it, with, it's with the strike coming and us probably being out of television um, at some point. <laughs> Uh, Matt may, in fact, force me to watch it. We will see what happens. Um, but I will report back that i i need matt to at least record one reaction out of you i need at least one and we might put it on patreon um maybe we should do like a uh like um like just drunk watching the last of us (laughs) um that okay um geeks chasing squirrels i don't know if you listen to the rise of skywalker watch along Oh, it's... we were all drunk off our asses for that episode. I don't remember that episode. I don't. I don't remember it was listening to it. That 
the other the other thing i fell asleep in the middle of empire strikes back <laughs> i remember but that I, yeah, yeah yeah i was in the middle of like working and going to school at the same time so it was just an exhausting time um but yeah rise of skywalker that's a really fun episode um i got into <laughs> several arguments with nathan and greg um just as uh if anybody wants to go look that up so because it was a hot mess but but that's uh, why i was saying drunk watch along because then you get my real reaction <laughs> no but uh speaking of the you you spoke about it very briefly uh the writer's strike and the uh the eve of the actor's strike right now um if you guys haven't seen lately, there has been conflicting reports, updates on articles and stuff about some uh, quotes that are being taken and taken back from executives and whatnot. Um, the latest thing we had heard was that uh, executives are basically going to wait until writers start losing their homes um, was the essential, you know, meat and potatoes of the quote. Yeah. Uh, there has been an update on one article. I believe it was a deadline article uh, that started it all um, that there was a representative for the executives that said, oh, that person who gave us that gave you that quote does not represent us and blah, blah, blah. And we're mm -hmm. trying to get uh, everything solved as quickly as possible. And I'm seeing from a lot of the writers that I follow uh, within the guild are seeing this as basically a fear-mongering tactic, both sides, uh, to confuse the writers and to wear them out and stuff. Um, it's crazy out there. Um, I don't know how much longer, honestly, because I think we had this, this discussion on at least one of our uh, GOA crossovers. I know I've had it with several people. I'm like, these people eventually do have to pay bills and everything else. Like, I don't personally know everybody's financial situation. You know, you may have to be pouring into your savings. You may have to be, you know, moving in with a friend or family and whatnot. But, like, things are going to get worse before they get better, I think. Um, we had also heard that uh, the Netflix executive, Disney executive, and, and uh, WB executives... Um, met with a mediator in order to make the negotiations go by quicker. I think that is absolutely hilarious when specifically with the actors guild. Yeah. They're not specifically with the... to bring a mediator in for the writers guild to the writers, which I think is so stupid because again, the it's, it's essentially the same thing that we've said since the beginning, just pay them what they want. It's not like they're saying, Hey, Zaslov, you can no longer have a paycheck. Hey, Iger, you can no longer have a paycheck. It's still, hey, you can still have millions of dollars. We just want some of the money. They're they're asking for what amounts to about 2% of profits for shows. It, yeah. They're looking for an increase. And y'all, I'm sorry if I'm crocheting and that offends you, but it's helping me focus right now. So I got a lot going on in my brain. <laughs> so I promise I am focusing. Um, so it, they're, what they're asking for is 2% more profits. And like, if you look at it with um, like their salaries, I think they had calculated and it was like, okay, if 
a if each CEO gave up like five million dollars of their paycheck, just their paycheck, not that they couldn't find this money anywhere else in like profits or anything, just if they gave it out of their paycheck, they would have um they would accomplish basically what the writer's guild is asking for. And obviously that doesn't include stuff like the um like the AI uh worries and everything, but it's like, okay, come on. Is it really unreasonable? And I know a lot of people are like, well, if you don't like the terms of what Hollywood is like driving for in contracts, then don't work for them. And that's exactly what they're doing right now, people. So if you yeah. have a problem with them going, hey, I want to change my contract, th that is like, obviously the unions are there to protect them and everything, but like with it being a union world, like you can't just go find somebody else. Everybody has to be employed by the union. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see because I know like a lot of, a lot of studios were going, oh yeah, we'll just go overseas and we'll go find other writers and stuff. And I know several studios, uh, several of like several countries with their governing bodies and stuff for their entertainment sections have gone, Hey, don't get involved with the U S right now. Like <laughs> just don't touch it. Basket of worms, not, not worth it can of worms whatever um and especially with like them the quote that happened like it's a huge scare tactic um and i don't think it was just a scare tactic for the writers guild strike i think it was also a scare tactic for the actor strike because like the actor strike is coming so it was like okay you make a decision then we're just gonna walk away until you lose your home like, is what they're trying to push the Actors Guild to make. So, yeah. it'll be it's, interesting to see what happens tonight. It is very interesting. Because, I mean, everybody says, okay, you have chat GBT, you have AI to replace writers. What exactly do you have to replace actors? Um, I know you have all of those... Uh, individuals that are very young that are like, oh, you know, this is my chance to, you know, make it big in Hollywood. And you will definitely see uh, those pe being taken advantage of, to be completely honest. Um, but if anybody has ever seen, there is a uh, beer commercial that is completely made by AI um, out there um, on Twitter, on YouTube. Just, just go check it out. Beer commercial AI. And every single person that's generated by AI looks absolutely atrocious and terrifying. Um, you can't use AI to that extent. Um, we've seen it, of course, we've seen it before with Luke Skywalker in in Mando or technically Boba Fett. Like, so we we know that it can be done, but to do it to that extent, I think uh, would be very noticeable. Um, and it, it is a little bit of like a scary time right now to think of that. But I, I think that eventually there will be some sort of breakdown on the studio's part. And uh, we will eventually get these writers uh, back to work. So hopefully. And my hope, my hope is that especially with the actors that we've seen striking with the Writers Guild and we've seen a lot of SAG after supports the WGA and the WGA has come out and said, we support whatever sag After wants to do. Um, my hope is that SAG would go, okay, we need to come to the 
back to the table, but you also need to go back to the writers guild because I think that's going to be a big thing with what they're trying to accomplish is like, Hey, we don't want to work on anything AI related. And if the actors come back to the table and the writers, um, the writers can't get a meeting with the studios because the studio is not even meeting with the writers guild right now. They are just basically like, yeah, you're going to have to offer up a meeting. And like the WGA is offering up meetings, but the studios aren't coming back to them. So yeah. it's like, I mean, the article that had the, yeah, we want to put, like, we want to wait until the Writers Guild is desperate and losing their apartments and losing their homes. The article said, like, they were looking at, like, October for a time frame, potentially for that. Because most people, most people, like, and now that this is maybe not realistic right now, but, like, everybody's goal, right, and, like, your budgeting stuff is, like, six months emergency expenses yeah I, I would say i would say that's about correct and given that time frame we saw the strike start late may early june so uh october it was is actually a, it was the first week of may was it may so all of may june july august september october yes yeah, so october is that six month mm -hmm. so that's what that's what they're hoping for and obviously like especially with like higher cost of living areas that may not be possible for some of these writers to maintain, but the hope is that they can hold out. And that's what I saw a lot on Twitter today with the writers that I follow. And like some of the critics were retweeting on like, Hey, we just need to stay strong. Like we got this kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Now do you want to, I feel like, Let's go ahead and have our discussion over this whole is Luke or is Anakin Skywalker the greatest Jedi um, or the best Jedi. I don't remember the verbiage that we use. I think he's the greatest Jedi of all time. All right, y'all. We are going to hit our first ad break and we will be right back in three, two, one. Yeah. So I'm looking at it now. It says Dave Filoni says Anakin Skywalker is the greatest Jedi of all time. The reason why I want to go this, I think that uh, just topics-wise, we go this conversation, we talk about the Ahsoka trailer, and then that takes us to Rebels, and I think that will uh, flow a little bit better. So, yeah. um, how do you feel about this whole greatest Jedi of all time discussion? Y'all know how I feel about Dave Filoni. Y'all may call him <laughs> the... I'm not, I don't believe in that, but like the head of Star Wars storytelling um, is what y'all think he is. And I mean, that may be, he may be George Lucas's mystery son that just happened to appear out of nowhere. I don't know. Um, I, I think he's full of shit here. Like he may be the most powerful force user of all time. We can, we can state that, I think. Greatest Jedi. No. <laughs> and I think Snell said exactly what I was thinking. Snell said, <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't get to kill a bunch of baby Jedi and then be called the greatest Jedi of all time. <laughs> yeah, his exact, his exact quote was, you can say more powerful force user, but once you kill thousands of kids, 
you're disqualified. It's like taking steroids in the Olympics. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like taking steroids in the Olympics. <laughs> um, it's like killing all the other Olympians and then saying, hey, I won the Olympics. Um, that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> and I would say Anakin was the greatest Jedi before he met Palpatine. I'm going to put that out there. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my hot take um, because it's, it's no longer the truth, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. And then he trained the greatest Jedi. And then we learn in this season of Rebels that we're, we're going to talk, talk about, about it. We're, I we're, am no Jedi. Exactly. You can't call her that. Exactly. So disqualified. So she is technically disqualified as of right now, but I think that she, she, because for me, the same way that I love Qui Gon Jinn for him being so in tune to the Force, while also knowing himself while also being on the council and questioning them because of the other two things that he is so well versed in himself and the force obi-wan or, or uh qui-gon jinn was at one point the greatest jedi of all time i think he I he had a great way of looking at life the uh, a perspective of the force that nobody else had and he like he, for me when i look at Qui-Gon Jinn, i'm like that is a jedi that's how you should look at things because we've seen before and again spoilers non-spoilers just make sure you read uh the red blade and then go listen to our review we've seen how people look at the council we've seen mm -hmm. how the council looks at others and we've seen how the council can make really stupid decisions. Sometimes Qui-Gon Jinn knew that. Yeah. And I just think like, okay, if by chance, this is, you know, this is why Disney and Lucasfilm, we need to have that. <laughs> what if star Wars show it, it need Like, I feel like it would be amazing, but like, what if Obi-Wan died in the mall fight and Qui-Gon Jinn trained Anakin? That would be a completely different story. Like, we would see a completely different Anakin. And I think right, in Anakin... Because I think, I think Anakin's issues lie in the, hey, we must follow the order to the extent of the law kind of thing. That obi Because... And I... You talking about Qui-Gon, it makes me really interested to see what you would think about Master and Apprentice um, by Claudia Gray. Um, because that dives It's on into... my list. It, it's on my list because it because it, we had the discussion when we were talking about uh, uh, oh, my books aren't there anymore. Um, Padawan uh, by Kristen uh, uh, White. Kirsten White, yeah. Yeah, Kirsten White, sorry. So Master and Apprentice is uh, on my list. I'm just waiting until I can get my hands on it. Yeah. 
it it would be interesting to see i think for sure because yeah. i did not like that book at all so really yeah okay i was not a fan yeah and i think the conversations of why he's the greatest jedi i i think that you have a little bit of a push there because he questioned the council and he probably would have made better decisions kind of but he went about it in the wrong way and that mm-hmm. is not jedi like so he is null and void there so you, it you have to look at the jedi in all of their perspectives and what they believe in and we know that the council was very clouded in their judgments um which makes sense to all the other Jedi that didn't necessarily spend all of their time in Coruscant. You know, they, they weren't, you know, completely clouded with their thoughts. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting discussion. Um, I would like, I, I don't know how I feel about actually digging into (laughs) the replies on this individual (laughs) thread here. Uh, there's some people that are uh well let's see right here hayden christensen was one of over 1500 actors who auditioned to play anakin skywalker in attack of the clones he was chosen by george lucas because he was an actor who has the presence of the dark side um people are just really stupid and saying stupid things um (laughs) but he still won't be granted the rank of master (laughs) he's the greatest (laughs) he's the greatest jedi of all time but he still won't be granted the rank of master uh people are saying yes i agree totally agree other people are saying qui-gon Jinn as well i think that is the better choice in all honesty in this debate uh people are posting uh memes with anakin saying fuck them kids it's it's <laughs> hilarious uh but yeah uh really fun discussion i i would like to hear from you guys who do you think is the greatest jedi of all time and there's there's plenty of them out there. Uh Cal Kestis, Mace Windu, uh Kyoto Mundi, uh, uh 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 Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know. Give us your thoughts. If you don't think it is Anakin, let us know. If you do, let us know. Um, if you agree with the Qui-Gon Jin take, let us know. So um for me, as much as I agree with Qui-Gon. Jen, like, I've still got Luke Skywalker in my head from, like, Legends. Legends Luke Skywalker, badass. Like, and I know, like, everyone wants it's to complain. Canon. It's not canon. It's not canon. I know. <laughs> so. I know. The next piece of discussion, uh, we had a lot of trailers hit this morning or was it yesterday it was yesterday not this morning it was yesterday. yeah uh, was it yesterday yeah it was it was yesterday so uh this trailer comes out and it doesn't have necessarily a lot of new things Still great to look at. Still looks I, like a show that I am absolutely going to love to see. Uh, okay, so this is funny. I I think it was Mace Windows on Twitter. Um, I He asked if this trailer was peak, and I said, yes, it is. And it is undoubtedly 
probably the best trailer that Lucasfilm has put out, at least for a Lucasfilm show. Really? A, a Disney Plus show. I 100% think this is the best trailer Lucasfilm has put out. Um, It's just so good, and it goes into, like, a plot detail, but it introduces all of the characters in such a fascinating way. Yeah, it uh, it gives highlight to uh, Hera, of course, Ahsoka, uh, Sabine here. Um, and Sabine has been a little bit of a topic of discussion, um, yes. specifically with this trailer and with some things that are said in this trailer. Um, right here, there is some conversation. Uh, you should put the captions on. I should put the captions on. Uh so, well, I was watching the trailer for the very first time, and Harris said something uh, very interesting at this point. Uh, it says, I bet your master found it difficult to train, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Ahsoka says, oh, Anakin didn't really get to finish my training. And I was like, master? What are you talking about? Sabine is not the apprentice of, or Padawan of ahsoka yeah and this is it's it's this is where the show is leaning with this trailer that ahsoka will be training sabine to know the ways of the force i don't and... i don't know if she's i don't know if ahsoka will be training in the show i think ahsoka has trained sabine and ahsoka walked away that's what this is saying oh really i i took it the other way that's an interesting take. Now, see, you said in our conversation that you missed the purgle. It is literally right there. They're flying all around it. Um, oh, the tails. Yeah. Oh, Tendrils and okay. tails. So Katie and I had our own little discussion um, off air about all this. Now, right there, it just showed it. Uh, let's move it frame by frame here because this is an awesome still yeah, right there Love this. so we see sabine with a green lightsaber ezra's lightsaber uh, ezra's lightsaber we also see uh a hollow that ezra is talking to somebody um and sabine is watching that hollow now uh what i brought to the table to our conversation yesterday was I was like, oh shit, what if he what if Ezra didn't think he was gonna survive? Uh and somehow, because of course, from what we see, Thrawn is here. We don't see Ezra. Mm -hmm. Why is that? What's going on? Thrawn gets away, and then you said, like, Yeah, and what if that uh what if that inquisitor we see is is Ezra? And I was like, well, at least there we know he's alive and he's there, you know? What if mm -hmm. a scarier thought would be, what if Thrawn left him out for dead and he left those hollows hoping that a Jedi could sense him in the Purgles just like he did and hopefully either get rescued or have some sort of knowledge uh, that he's left on the hollows to help say yep. uh the rebellion uh or help the rebellion so uh 
this is a scary thought um, to think that we are like, we're finally getting Ezra in live action. And what if it's only to tell us he's dead? That would be something completely like Lucasfilm to do. I feel like, especially, especially, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but Dave Filoni is always going to care about Ahsoka more than any other character, I feel like. He wants Ahsoka to kind of, uh, Ahsoka and really Captain Rex to be his legacy for Star Wars, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and so it, I think it would be very apt for Filoni to go, oh yeah, you know, I really don't have a place for this other character, this other Jedi. I really just want to toss him away. And so kill him off, bring back Thrawn, um, and like succeed in that way. That would suck. I would. Everybody has been wondering where Ezra is. And you're going to kill him off like that. Obviously, we don't know yet. But yeah, obviously, we don't know. Um, it was just a very scary thought that I had. Um, I would absolutely hate it. Um, because I think one of the biggest, hypest moments in Star Wars history will be the day that we see Ezra in live action in current time, wherever that current time is. Of course, now we're several 30, 40 years ahead of time um, now uh, with, you know, movies being in development now. Um, but I'm saying in the current time of, of the story being told, like not, not a flashback, a current time Ezra, you know, him just lighting that lightsaber or even just shooting from his from his blaster hilt, like, yeah. like just seeing that in live action. The blaster hilt got destroyed. We're gonna talk it, about that. It it did. It did. I completely forgot about that. Um, but I I think that seeing him in live action, I I need for him to be alive. Um, if he ends up being the Inquisitor, it gives us hope that our heroes could turn him back. You know, um, I think it's it, it's just very telling that I and I think obviously we know Iman Esfandi is is playing Ezra in some shape or fashion. Yeah, on live screen for how long? That's the biggest question. I think it's very telling that they have that Star Wars themselves have not confirmed that casting. Oh, so you okay. think they, you think that they did not confirm the casting because he is for sure going to die? Is that what you're saying? I, I, I think you have now convinced me, and because I was, I've always been wondering because the question from everybody after the Rebel season finale was, "Where's Ezra?" It was not, "Where's Thrawn." So yeah. they're either holding it back for that reason. And I mean, I think we're going to get a poster among Isfandi as Ezra, like once Ahsoka premieres. But to not have him at the panel, it's very telling to like how much he's in this show. Now it could go for multiple seasons. I think originally this was a limited series. Yeah. They could change their mind. And I mean, we've talked about that. Finding Ezra at the very end of the season 
going into the next season, going into Heir to the Empire movie. Yeah. What could things happen there? I don't know. I really don't know. I, for somebody who always wants the happy ending, I always think of the doom and gloom of it all. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, I hope that we get to see our rebels together again. Of course, minus one. Um, but we're, we're, we're far away from, from that in our rewatch, but uh, it's, it's going. Of... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see how this all plays out. Yeah. A lot of people speaking on like seeing rebel our rebels all on screen together. A lot of people were asking, where's Zeb? Um, I think it, I think Zeb's going to just takes a lot of work to put together because he's so tall and you have to use that CGI and stuff. So they might have chosen to keep him more of a cameo um, for like a first and last episode. Um, we do know that he's a pilot with the new Republic. So him not necessarily getting to be a part of the mission does make sense. Um, so yeah. Um, now, okay, let's finish the trailer because I have questions. Yes, well, part of my discussion with the trailer actually has to do with uh, actually a part of season two of Rebels. Uh, and okay. it, it actually has to deal with this individual right here that's on the screen right now. So, yes. uh, so we will get to it when we get to it. Um, but uh, as far as the rest of the trailer goes, um, there's nothing really there except for this awesome twirling of the freaking lightsaber. I know we saw it uh, in, uh, what was it, the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but this scene just looks really, really sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a really good looking trailer. If you haven't seen it before, go check it out. It is on the Star Wars YouTube channel. Um yeah, any final words on that trailer? So, um, did you notice kind of the parallels between Count Dooku um, saying Qui-Gon Jinn always spoke highly of you and Anakin always spoke highly of you with Balin? Oh, I did not. Oh, yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. Anakin spoke highly of you. Hmm. I really need to see his backstory. I I want to know who Balin is. Um, I know a lot of people don't want to see that kind of thing in Star Wars anymore. But you introduce a character, I need to see his motivations. I need to see where he lies, you know? Yeah. Um, without it, he is just a nothing character. Um, and that's all. I, I, I like that parallel. Uh, I did not see it at first. Um, you pointing it out to me. That's really, really cool. Um, the next question I had, what did you think? Cause, okay. So we've seen Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Obviously we've gotten some pictures we had, we got to see her in the last trailer, but like now we're getting her speaking and like hearing her talk. So what is it? Does that, I guess, sell you on Harris? Because a lot of people were like, 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera, not seeing it. I actually thought she really did a great job pulling off Hera vocally, I think. I think it's going to be interesting to see how she plays it. Um, Hera is a very uh, demanding, strong-spoken, but also soft-spoken when she needs to be um, type of character. Um, my thing is, um, I don't believe there would be any reason for her to do it in Ahsoka, but we see it in season two of rebels uh mm -hmm. her original accent comes out um i don't know if i would want to see or hear that in ahsoka though um because mm -hmm. i'm afraid that if she if if uh winstead would try that i think it would be butchered uh, and I would just be like, ah, you could have just left it alone and I would be fine. You know, kind of one of those <laughs> instances. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's it's great. I think that uh, one thing for me, though, I I did notice there is a scene here in this trailer where she is flying the ghost. Yep, we got to see the inside of the ghost for the first time. We got to see the inside of the ghost. But I am pretty sure she is flying the on the wrong, wrong side. side. Yeah. Just the wrong side. So maybe is she not flying the ghost? That's that's what I'm wondering. Because or that could also be the Phantom 2, because right there, that's the Phantom 2. So she could be in the Phantom. So play it. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm going to zoom out just a little bit and see. So right there, that's the Phantom 2. Ah, uh, okay. So she could be driving the Phantom. Yeah. Phantom 2, specifically. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I, I will need to go back on some episodes of Rebels to see where the pilot uh, seat. Well, we'll the be pilot able to talk seat... about that in the next season. A pi well, oh, for the Phantom 2. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Because the original Phantom uh, pilot is uh, front and center. There's no sides to it. So yeah. that, is, that is true. All right. Well. Yeah, I, I, it was just one thing that I picked up. I was like, hey, that doesn't look right. So, <laughs> All right, so next question. Um, in, the, in the trailer, um, and I'm going to share my screen, because um, Jordan Mason um, shared this. So... It's got all these like little stones around, and people are thinking this is Malachor. And you've got like a little TIE fighter right there, it looks like. Uh huh. So, are we going to see her right after um, Twilight of the Apprentice? Because that's where Ezra pulls her out. So, are we going to get that picture on screen? maybe i don't know because i mean again it has not been confirmed 
but uh 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 oh my gosh uh actress playing freaking ahsoka uh rosario dawson rosario dawson uh leaked it that she would be working with uh uh hey christensen so do i want to see it yes do we think we're going to I don't know. I th I think it's a big stretch because there is just such a big, large gap in time from where this show is taking place, mm -hmm. from when she was taking out from uh, the world between worlds, and then the end of Rebels. Like those are three very large gaps, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From what I what I think are large gaps. I, I'm not entirely so, sure from the ending of Rebels to now. My understanding is the Twilight of the Apprentice takes place. Okay, so that takes place in 3 BBY. Yes. So Rebels season one takes place in 4 BBY. Yes. So she goes missing, and then um Three years later, Ezra picks her up at, from the World Between Worlds. Mm -hmm. So that's like your three-year gap. And then to where we're at in Ahsoka, the understanding is it's taking place after Book of Boba Fett. So okay. it's like 11 BBY or ABY, I think. Okay. So so even then, that is uh, so 3, 6, 11-ish. That's like a five-year gap, a three-year three-year gap, a total of like eight to nine years of like storytelling that you're gonna try to like, hey, this is this is what happened, and because we also had the discussion of your sister wanting to watch this show, not watching Rebels, and you saying, okay, let's see if you actually need to watch Rebels in order because to that's fully what understand. Everybody said. If we're getting Malachor and all of this other stuff, I think, unfortunately, and it like I may be eating my words, but the one thing that everybody has always said when it comes to a lot of these streaming shows, especially with Disney Plus, that they always rush the last two episodes. They always, you know, there's something about them not really being able to handle the uh the 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 limited amount of time that they have to tell a story um yep. if if you're going to give us malachor and all of that i feel like that is unnecessary stuff and that you probably should have chopped it now am i going to be glad to see it in live action yeah sure i think it's going to look cool but i think it's going to be at the cost of how everything wraps up so this, and I do have one more question about the trailer, but going, continuing with this topic specifically, that brings to the question, Ahsoka is premiering two episodes on the first day. So is episode one going to be a, damn it, here, here's where we're at kind of thing. And we flash back through all Previously the Previously on Rebels. 
<laughs> Basically. I mean, really? I, are we surprised if that happens? No, I mean, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Uh but you again, you would have to recap Rebels, you would have to recap Book of Boba Fett, you would have to recap uh uh the ending of Rebel. Like you would have to recap a lot of different things. Um mm -hmm. you know, the there's also the idea of Rex being a part of this show as well. Like do you have to recap like the final season of <laughs> of Clone Wars, like honestly, like I, y you yeah. you put yourself in such a corner when you do these types of things. Uh, when it's a universe, it's 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 a galaxy. You you've created a galaxy, an interconnected galaxy, so much so that you write books that you say, "Hey, this is canon." Okay. If you're going to put it into that perspective, then the cartoon that people always like to say, oh, cartoons are for kids, that should be required viewing. No. I'm sorry. Like, like I don't care what, uh, what any other studio head says. Like, oh, I don't want to see that. I want to see it on this show. Well, it's too damn bad. You, we need, Especially. You, you need to subscribe to Disney Plus in order to watch Ahsoka anyway. So watch the shows that are on there. Exactly. But especially since, like, there's a particular episode in season two of Rebels where Sabina's like, I wish you just let me kill these people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Okay. So the last question I had about the trailer we finally get to see the face of Thrawn. Uh, what are your yes. thoughts? Uh, in HD, by the way um 4k whatever you want you want to say um <laughs> i still think he is very underwhelming compared to the cartoon animated version of him um because i think it's more historically universal accuracy when it comes to mm -hmm. his uh character design in the show compared to what he looks like in real life um and i just it's going to be weird. It's just going to be weird. Uh, I I think that with, uh, of course, you, you have the idea of like, okay, what kind of budget do we have? Like, could we realistically make this guy's head look a little bit bigger? You know, give him, give a, him suave, a fucking wig. Yeah. Yeah. Give I was going to say suave wig. hair and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think the weirdest thing about, uh, Mickelson as Thrawn in live action is because of the way his facial hair is mm -hmm. there's always stubble always um and you can kind of see like even when you look at him he's clean shaven but you can tell where his his beard is you can tell you you can just tell and it's just that's weird. We've we I don't think we have not seen a bearded Thrawn in the animated series. We may have seen like something with like a five o'clock shadow, maybe. I can't remember. So what you're thinking of in terms of his five o'clock shadow is in fact his contour. 
like his jaw is snatched. Yes, yes, yes. And like with Mickelson, and like I've even figured this out with like Hera's look, they didn't contour their face at all. They didn't give them any sort of dimension. Hera looks green. Thrawn looks blue. There is no, hey, this is an alien. Like, they look like they were face painted. And that's it. There is, like, if they had just put, like, a darker navy blue, I think that would have helped so much. Yeah, I'm looking at him now. It's just, he does look odd. Um, Again, look at it in the perspective also. This is an older Thrawn, clearly. Um, time has passed um, since, you know, the ending of Rebels and now. He was completely, uh, you know, hurled into space uh, in hyperspace um, with through Purgles. So, you know, that could probably do a number on you as well. Um, I just it it's just going to be weird. And we spoke briefly on uh, his his discussion about how like, oh, you know, there's a certain thing that I did with Thrawn's voice in animation that uh, I had a, a hard time, you know, connecting with in live action and imitating and stuff. So I think it's it's even going to sound different, like, which is weird. It's the same person. and It's going to sound different. Um, and so I just yeah. I don't know how great of a choice this was um, to uh, to give him the role. But of course, we will watch it either way. We're going to see how it goes. Um, I mean, this is also just me as a person who despises Theron outside of the animated series uh, of Rebels. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how I feel about this interpretation of the character. <laughs> yes, so we will. Um, though I imagine he's going to be closer to the Rebels perspective than anything because it's Filoni who's writing so yeah very very true um but I believe that brings us to a close on the trailer conversation it does it does indeed that brings us to our Rebels season two recap discussion um, I have the episodes and a synopsis of each one here, and I think it's more so like the entire freaking uh, plot of each freaking episode. <laughs> All right, guys, this is our second ad break. Remember, we don't choose these ads. If, if you don't like them, I'm sorry. It's not on me, but we'll be right back. Where do you want to start with it? Now, last episode, what we did is we talked about the individual characters, how we felt about them in season one. And then we discussed uh, the required viewing in our understanding of what you need to do as far as homework uh, for the Ahsoka series uh, in August. And I think we'll do the exact same. So, uh, Katie, you start us off with which character you want to go for. Because I, I, I led it last time. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go with the character with, I think, the least amount of development 
this season. And I'm going to go with Sabine. Um, Sabine, in my eyes, had the least amount of things to do in this season. Um, she really only had one episode, if I can remember, out of all 22 episodes. Um, she had one episode that really put her in the limelight and really put her like uh, front and center which was, I believe, episode number, no, not nine, uh, eight, um, Blood Sisters. Um, Blood Sisters. I gave her credit for episode 13, The Protector of Concord Dawn. Because I think that just dives a little into her Mandalorian roots. That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, also, I think we both are probably going to have to apologize. We crammed these episodes. We were kind of <laughs> busy this past week, and we crammed these episodes in. Um, I had a plan of like, oh, I'm going to watch two every single night uh, ever since we finished season one. Um, and then I had to house it for two weeks, and <laughs> all sorts of stuff happened. And so like the last three days, I had to binge like the last 12th. It was. Oh yeah, insane. I, I binged the. Uh, I put the eleven on while I was the last eleven on while I was working today. So <laughs> oh now, good. I've seen these like three or four times. So really, it was just kind of listening to them. Um, this this is my, my mind. this is my second viewing of the entire series. Um, I have every once in a while. Uh, like watched individual episodes, like thinking back on some things in particular. Um, but overall, this this was a second viewing of mine. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else with Sabine. Um, with I, I feel like those episodes are kind of just really telling to her. They open her up a little bit. It's just mainly story she is definitely i feel like the secondary character like you said the season um kind of gets left by the wayside but she does get those two episodes to really kind of expand on her we learned she's a part of house vizsla um mm-hmm. which we all know and love from mandalorian clone wars um so that just kind of gives her a depth there to kind of say okay this is where she comes from um but to me, she doesn't get a whole lot of growth this season. That really comes in the next season. Yeah. Um, you don't even get a whole lot of um, interaction with the Rebels family um, with mm-hmm. her. It's it's a lot of growth still with, um, with Ezra and Kanan and, uh, and Hera, uh, honestly. Uh, but the second or well, uh, what other character do you want to go with next? Uh, because that's really it for Sabine, unfortunately. Yeah, I think the next one to kind of just kind of knock out there, Chopper. Um, Chopper has one episode. It's episode uh, 19. Um, yep. The Forgotten Droid, uh, where he gets to meet a friend, AP5, who I learned um was actually based on Alan Rickman, the portrayal. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, which I thought was a, a kind of a neat little reference there. Um, but Chopper, Chopper's 
fun, hysterical. Um, but he's also the droid, so he doesn't get a whole lot of love. He gets to save the day a couple times. Um, but really, I, I feel like episode 19 is kind of where he's left. Yeah, he uh, Chopper doesn't have as many even like funny moments. And I will say, I think this is not necessarily a darker season. Um, I think that it ends on a much darker note. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot of laughs in this season mm -hmm. like there was with the first season. Um, episode 19 in particular, uh, I, I just love uh, at the moment where uh, the other droid uh, is trying MP5. to speak. Uh, MP5 is, is talking to uh, Hera and Kanan. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I am Chopper's friend. And Kanan's like, Chopper doesn't have any friends. And MP5 is like, yes, he does. Like, I am his friend. Like, he he yeah. saved me, so I'm going to save him and, and let y'all do y'all's thing. Um, and again, you see these deadly moments of Chopper where you're like, oh, he's just a droid. Because that's what a lot of people think. People just think, oh, he's just a droid or that is just a droid. Chopper knows how to throw down if he needs to. He knocked yep. the shit out of that guy several times. Yes. Um, and it's it's kind of insane. And like even in that story, like Chopper kind of telling us how Hera found him um, from a downed Y-Wing in the Clone Wars. Um, she rescued him from there. And so AP5 is able to recite that back to Hera. And it just kind of tells us about Hera, but it like it tells us about Chopper, but it also tells us about Hera and how like she kind of risked everything to save this droid, yeah. and that's why he feels so responsible at the end of the day for the ghost and Hera. Yeah, very very true. Um, uh, next character, I would say, in retrospect to like the amount of character development i actually think the next one would be hera because i i think oh i disagree i think oh really you think zeb think... is the next one yeah i love hera in the season i love how she gets to open up um i think zeb has the zeb had they both have like two specific episodes where it like really like shows who they are as characters, but I think Hera had more to do over the entire season. That's true. That's true. So let's go ahead and jump to Zeb. So Zeb in this episode or in this season uh, played, uh, there's a moment where he actually gets to see his people. Um, he, mm -hmm. he sees two survivors um, that were being captured by the empire and transported. Um, and these individuals actually knew Zeb, um, because Zeb was actually like, he was a, like a captain, a commander. I can't remember his title. Uh, but he was very important. Yeah, I think he's a captain, captain in the honor guard. Um, and, uh, we learn, uh, specifically from Kanan and Ezra that there's many different takes on what the force is. Um, and we get to see some of that um, through the, uh, I always forget their freaking race, uh, 
Lasats. Um, through the Lasats. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Really touching moment um, where Zeb actually, like, he gets kind of emotional seeing his people. Um, but my favorite episode in this entire season um, is actually episode uh, 17, the honorable one. Um, I think this shows a lot of growth in Zeb um, as an individual who is always uh, trying to uh, like outright just kill Callus every chance that he gets. Uh, Here they are stranded on an ice planet, a super, super cold ice planet. um, And they have to help each other survive. Um, And it's like, this is just awesome. Uh, You get to know a little bit more about Zeb, uh, his culture, uh, you know, you, we learn like Callus. He says something kind of like not necessarily heartwarming, but like it's it's like, hey, all, it's almost an I'm sorry um, to to Zeb. Yeah, he says like, hey, I was there that day. Like it was not meant to be a slaughter. It just kind of happened. Um, and again, it, it's it's not in our and I'm sorry which, you know, I'm sure Zeb wouldn't have taken it anyway. But at least there's something there. Um, This is very important uh, to both of these characters in where they're going to be going, uh, specifically one of these characters, and where they're going to be heading uh, by the end of the uh, season or a series. Uh, So I really, really loved this episode in particular. What about you? I would have to agree. I think Zeb's episodes are some of the best of the season. Now, obviously, there's two, three others that are, like, up there. Um, But, like, emotionally-wise, Zeb really kicked it into high gear. Um, And I hate that, like, it was kind of relegated to those two episodes. But, I mean, The Legends of Lasat is episode 14. So that kind of hits you late in the season. And at that point, you kind of you've kind of got to start closing things up and really like focus in on the rest of the story to kind of get you to the end of the season. So Zeb is one of my favorite characters in the last two seasons, just because I think he gets so much, but again, he's left by the wayside with the Mandalorian subplot in season three and then the Lethal subplot in season four. So it's, it's a two edged sword for sure. But yeah, for sure. Um, you want to choose the next character we go through? Yeah, let's talk about Hera. So Hera, the mother of the group. Oh my gosh, I love her so much in this season. Um, she really gets to kind of take the piloting into high gear. We get to see her with um, is the B wing this episode this season or it was last season? Uh. The, oh no, it's this season. Yeah, it's it's the new ship that she she grabs, yeah. right? Uh the, the wings B-wing. of the master uh in yeah. episode seven. Yeah. So she gets that, but like she w- with the fact that the rebellion kind of came to help find Kanan at the end of season one, um, we get to see her as kind of the leader of Spectre Squad and kind of becoming a major part of the rebellion and being a leader 
and stuff. And so her getting to lead the B-Wing mission and kind of fly that, we get to see her shine as Phoenix leader a lot throughout the season um, and just really take charge. Um, and she just kills it. Um, episode seven, like you said, Wings of the Master um, is really good. And then um, seeing her interact with Cham Syndulla, who we met in the Clone Wars, and Cham Syndulla being her father and everything, that's just a really shining moment for her um, to kind of stand up and be like, this is why I left. Um, I'm, but I, at the same time, I was inspired by you to do this. And so it's a really powerful episode overall. Yeah. I, I will mirror those sentiments. I really loved, uh, Hera's episodes this season. Um, specifically, uh, episode seven is probably my favorite out of her episodes. Um, because, you know, there's, uh, this idea of this world and, and, it's Rex who's who sends them this way, uh, saying, "Oh, I think I I know an engineer that will you know help you get the ship that you want to help us with this fleet." And when they get there, uh, <laughs> it wasn't until they are literally about to crash land where Hera's like, mm -hmm. "Hey, by the way, there's not a whole lot of people who come here because it's kind of a really hard uh, time <laughs> landing and taking off." And Zeb's like. Why didn't you tell me that before we got here? And she's like, "Well, you wouldn't have come if if I if I told you beforehand." <laughs> um, but they land. Uh, this engineer is like really like there's a screw missing there. Um, with with <laughs> how he takes everything into into perspective, um, telling Hera things like, "Oh, well, you know." just because I have a ship doesn't mean it's yours. It's like, oh, well, yeah. what else were you going to do with it? Like you can't even like, and that was the one thing he builds them. He doesn't fly them. He doesn't know how to fly. Uh, so that was a really, really fun episode. And the amount of power that the B wing had at the very end of the episode. Oh, it's um, so awesome. It was such a good, good show. Callus and like his his face when he sees the explosion he's like that's impossible uh mm -hmm. so really really good storytelling there um i'm trying to think if there's anything else uh specifically outside of her individual episodes uh that really stood out to me um, it's really just her for me it's just trying to like her getting to take a place in the rebellion and yeah. kind of like she she feels kind of second fiddle to Kanan in season one, but in this season, like she really like steps out and kind of puts her foot down with him um, as kind of like a, Hey, I know what I'm doing. Thank you very much. But also like she wants to be around. So that's, I, I feel like there's a lot of good points for her. overall. There, there's, there's a specific episode. I can't remember if it was episode five. There always, there are always two. There are, um or a different episode where in the very beginning um kanan and hera are having a discussion and kanan is saying like hey like you've convinced me like i'm all for this like being a rebel and like trying to save the galaxy and whatnot but you need to find your place in all of this you can't just you know mm -hmm. be running around with your head cut off basically um and i actually think actually and once if i think about it i think it is that's episode seven because he is like hey you need to do this while me and ezra will go and help with the with the supplies uh, i think you're right so, really really good storytelling 
Um, but speaking of Kanan, uh, let's go ahead and jump to his portion of this season. Um, Kanan has uh, a very, very fun story um, in this season with getting over his despise because I, I i can't say he hates the clones but his despise of clones of course yeah. uh we have seen through the bad batch that uh he had a very traumatic uh you know he he saw his master die um mm-hmm. due to clones and he saw what you know order 66 did um to the rest of the jedi and so he didn't trust him. He did not trust clones whatsoever. Ahsoka uh, gives a mission to the rebels uh, to go find Rex and all of them. Uh, and this starts a very funny, awesome, odd relationship between Kanan and Rex. Um, and it's a relationship that I absolutely love um, because they are butting heads, uh, telling uh, uh Kanan is saying to Rex's face, like, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And, and, you know, it, it, like, I'm like, dude, like, you're, you're one of those people that are like, clones aren't humans types of people. Like, that, <laughs> that, that's the kind of crap that I freaking hear. Like, but in episode nine, um, Stealth Strike, um, it warmed my heart that, uh, Rex gets captured near the end of the episode. And yep. everybody is evacuating the uh, the uh, Star Destroyer uh, that they were on in. And Kanan's looking around. He's looking around. Cruiser. Yeah, that's right. The, the cruiser. Uh, Kanan's looking around and, and he senses him in the force. It's like, ah, oh, crap. And, and Ezra's like, Kanan, let's go. Like, what are you doing? He's like, sorry, I got to go help my friend. And he goes and he saves Rex. I was like, yes, that is awesome. Um, so I, I love that part, uh, the growth that Kanan has here um, to push that aside to know, okay, the uh, this clone in particular, Rex, is here to help us. Is He's going to have my back if, if, if I ask for it. Um, there isn't a lot of training with Kanan and Ezra in this season is something that I did notice. Um, there's mentioning of it. There's like, oh, I'm gonna have to teach you that, or like, didn't I tell you to do this? And you know, there's there's moments like that that I noticed that are a lot in here. So you can tell that in the background, in between episodes, there is training going on, but there isn't yeah. as much seeing it on the screen. Um, which I kind of wish would still be a thing. Um you know going into season two just because we know like hey ezra still needs to be trained and i understand that that's probably like hey this would be a much longer season if we had that you know yeah i i'm gonna disagree with you up front because i feel like the whole first half of the season ezra is kind of like oh i wish i could like stop having training like because it's specifically in episode six where we get Hondo. Um, oh, he that's was true. having training yeah. with Rex. And then Kanan was like, you're late for Jedi training. And then Hera's like, 
You didn't scrub the deck or scrub the carbon scoring, I think is actually what she said. So he runs away from that. And it's like a lot of it because he does the same thing with always two there are. He's trying to get away from Rex and Kanan overwhelming him with training. And he's trying to just be a part of the rebellion in a normal fashion. Yeah. So That's true. That's true. Um, Which, by the way, like, I love Hondo so so much <laughs> and like it it he even references that he had like a jedi best friend that's ahsoka that's a that's that's ahsoka. that's not ahsoka that that's the or, youngling that's the youngling um kilani i think really uh, i would think uh, it was either ahsoka or anakin was... uh-uh that is um it's the youngling. I can't remember what her name is. We're going to go into our second ad break and we'll be right back. Oh my gosh. I know who she is. It, her name starts with a K. Well, like my, my big thing is like when I, when I saw this episode the first time, uh, not this time around, because I knew of course Toonie. it's not going to happen. Toonie. Um, trying to think. Share your screen real quick so I can yeah, remember who that I'm is. I'm pulling her up. Um, but like when I first watched this episode for the very first time, my first thought, oh, I remember her. Okay. Okay. Katuni. Okay. He even names her ship after her. Oh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Did not know that. Very, very interesting. Uh, but I okay. I would have really liked if Ahsoka had the chance because like at this point, Ahsoka is like a part of the show. And I'm just like why couldn't Hondo and Ahsoka just have one interaction right there? Like just one. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's it's still good nonetheless. Um, we see more backstory from Ezra. Uh, or well, hold on. We haven't even moved to Ezra yet. We're still on Kanan. Um, Kanan, uh, other than the, like the the training and whatnot. Um, we have his uh, Shroud of Darkness episode. Um, I think this was a very, very cool episode. Uh, this is where, of course, they go back to uh, Lothal. And uh, we see Ahsoka, him, and Ezra go to the Jedi Temple. And yep. they all go and have their own little journey. Um, individual journeys. Uh Ezra sees Yoda and uh, Kanan has this duel with the uh, Jedi Centennials. Um, this was very, very cool. Um, the reveal at the end uh, of the episode, my first time around, I was like, what? <laughs> um, seeing the, the uh, Grand Inquisitor um, there, I was like, oh, wow, that makes no sense whatsoever. What's going <laughs> on? Um, but I think it's so cool. Um, 
so I, I I really really enjoyed that moment. Uh, but getting to of course the end of the season, um, it it's it's a very dark time for Kanan, uh, figuratively and literally uh, from here <laughs> on out. Um, he and and this is where I feel like there probably wasn't enough training in connection with Ezra uh in him yeah and that's what led to what happened here uh because uh of course we get the reintroduction to Maul um fucking Sam Whitwer oh my gosh it's so his his voice is so good um it's I, I love it I absolutely love it um and I, I love how the the episodes here on Disney Plus are still formatted the way that they formatted them when they were on live television. So, like, there's these moments that are clearly for, like, commercial break. Uh, and there's yeah. a moment in one of these episodes where uh, Darth Maul is like, a real name. I had one of those before. But now my name is mall and like the music gets really really loud and then it cuts to black and then it just starts over again i was like you had a really good moment there and then it just kind of just goes away um <laughs> but I, I i love the season uh uh the season finale um but you know the whole thing with kanan like hey like trying to reach out to ezra like hey you can't trust this guy you, you don't know him you know all of these mm -hmm. different things and kanan's uh, and Ezra's not really listening. Um, and I think that shows that there was a disconnect between them. Um, this I think that's that's the biggest thing, though, as because Ezra, like at the beginning or in season one, he has to learn how to be a trusting person in the force. And not having that je that Jedi training, like, from the start, being a youngling, he, I mean, Kanan started teaching him when he was 15 years old. So, it's, it's very much, like, he's already had some things ingrained of him. And to kind of go from not trusting who he was um, before season one to having to trust and open himself up to the Force in season one. And then getting here to the end in Twilight of the Apprentice, um, I think it's just, like you said, kind of not enough training, but also it's the issue of why the Jedi wanted to take, wanted to start training people from birth versus letting them get older and experience the world and then come in for training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this season ends, uh, with Maul, of course, being Maul and being hungry for power and, uh, wanting to exact his revenge and the possessiveness that he holds on Ezra mm -hmm. was so weird to me. Um, I don't think I caught on to it, um, the first time around, but. Maul literally says in this last episode, Ezra will be mine. Yeah. All of this will be mine. And he attacks Kanan. And mm -hmm. we don't see Kanan at all uh, until we see him from like the 
bicep down, grab a mask. He puts it on. And then we see him with Chopper. Chopper's holding his, his hand. Chopper's yeah. like guiding him. Um, <laughs> and then they take the holocron. Um, he does fight Maul, um, which I think is a really, really cool fight. And again, yeah. you, you don't know. And clearly, like, I think it's I think it's funny. Um, of course, being an adult, being very perspective um, in these things, uh, you clearly know what happens to Kanan, um, <laughs> but they just don't tell you. It is just like, come on, like we we, yeah. we know what happened. Uh, but I, I love the sound design here. Um, so uh, Kanan is is in his ready stance, um, which his stance completely changes once this happens. Yeah. Um, he goes to a reverse that. grip. He goes to a reverse grip, which is a very defensive stance. Um, I, I, I absolutely love the attention to detail here. Um, he goes into the, the reverse hilt stance and he has his head low and you start to see the camera moves to Maul's feet. And then you hear like an echoing with the shuffling of the feet and everything else. Such, yep. such a good, uh, uh, just choreography and everything else there. Um, but at the end of the episode, we see everybody on the ghost. It kind of goes through to see where everybody's like sitting where they're at, you know, cause you know, they technically, they, they quote unquote won, but they also lost, uh, and we see Kanan, it, it goes from the, the front of the ghost to the back of the ghost. And we see Kanan with like this mechanical thing on his head. Um, and then he turns his, his head to the left and you see a bandage over his eyes. So clearly Maul, you know, blinded him. Um, and I, I think that is such like knowing what we know now, um, already seeing season three and season four. <laughs> and I, I had the luxury of watching all seasons all at once. Um, I wasn't watching this live. So, you know, the idea of like, man, he's blinded. What is he going to do now? Um, it's kind of crazy to think like, okay, he was this, you know, the, the only Jedi in the show, of course, in the very beginning. Um, he is, uh, what we say? He's uh, Specter One, right? Yeah, Specter One. Uh, assumingly the leader, then. So he goes from this <laughs> leader, this very strong leader, and now he has such a huge hindrance. Um, and I guess for people who, of course, know Star Wars, you have to remember the things that Obi Wan has said in mm -hmm. you know training Luke. You know, don't trust your eyes and all of these things. So it's 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 fun to look back on those things and seeing how he will grow in the next few seasons. For sure. It, uh, it, I say it'll be very interesting. Like you said, we have the benefit and I watched all the seasons at once too. Um, so it was, <laughs> it was an adventure. Um, but like it, it's preparing him for this change was interesting over the season, especially the knighting ceremony that he gets in Shroud of Darkness. Um, it's super important to him as a character, and I think that's just setting him up for the next his next stage, um, reclaiming his his name, who he was as a Jedi. So yeah, 
Um, very, very good stuff indeed. Yeah. Um, you talked about the music. The music in this season is just phenomenal. Um, like, Twilight of the Apprentice kills it. Shroud of Darkness kills it. Um, but also, um, episode 10, uh, The Future of the Force. Um, it's it's one of the first main episodes with Ahsoka as a character in the story. Obviously, she's been in previous episodes. Um, but this one kind of really involves her um, and kind of is our first look into her as a not Jedi, just as a warrior trying to protect someone. Um, the lightsaber fights in the future of the Force and Twilight of the Apprentice are some of the best in Star Wars. Of all time. Point yes. Point. Now, one thing that I do not agree with, um, not in any of your takes, but just with how uh, animators make things nowadays, um, due to uh, individuals with epilepsy, um, when it comes to giant flashing lights and things like that, um, if you notice during a lot of the lightsaber fights, the entire screen will go dim um, in some parts of these lightsaber fights. And it's due to the fact that uh, there was a family that did sue um, a programming uh, studio. Uh, I think it was for anime uh, that caused like their child to have an epileptic attack. Uh, and so like from now, from then on, like animators were like, Hey, we can't do this anymore. Or we're going to get sued. And so they dimmed all of their fight scenes. Um, so it's it's one thing that I will always notice. And I'm like, it would look so much better if I could actually see what's going on instead of just the lightsabers. Maybe it's the way I have my television. Yeah, maybe it's the way I have my television set up. But I that's not a big deal to me. And especially with my migraines. Because I do, if there's like a club scene or something, like it can very much give me vertigo um yeah. which can trigger a migraine attack so i appreciate <laughs> no but uh thank you for reminding me episode 10 the future of the forest um this is what uh was going to connect my discussion from the uh trailer to our discussion uh for rebel season two um we know that uh david Tennant's character from clone wars uh, 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 Hu Yang, uh, Hu Yang uh, is going to be making an appearance in Ahsoka, um, and we know that they saved a whole bunch of Force users in the future of the Force. Is there going to be a callback to that? Maybe are we going to see some of these individuals now? Again, we know that uh, in the future, uh, per. Force Awakens, uh, technically per uh, The Last Jedi, we know that Obi-Wan can, or not Obi-Wan, Jesus, uh, Luke Skywalker had mm -hmm. his own academy, had a place to train individuals. Um, and we also know from uh, Shadow of the Sith that there was plenty of other people for Luke Skywalker to train. So, just saying like i think that there is a possibility of dropping some nuggets some little crumbs in ahsoka uh to call back to this episode what do you think i i could see it um especially 
with the, the revelation in this last trailer, like Sabine calling Ahsoka master, um, it could be very telling. The other question I have with Sabine calling her master is, is this, like, how does that tie in with Grogu? Because obviously Mando brought Grogu to Ahsoka for training, but then she passed him off. So, like, it's just kind of a hot mess, <laughs> I feel like. I'll yeah. be interested to see how they tie all that in. Because I don't feel like Ahsoka... I feel like Ahsoka is definitely a wayseeker. By, like, High Republic terms. Yeah. So, I... And wayseekers, to me, like, they weren't really, like, training people. So, yeah. True. I could see it, though. Yeah, it could be it could be a nice callback, especially with the music at play. We know the Kiner brothers are scoring the Ahsoka show, um, and like I was, we were watching it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing! <laughs> like this is cinematic, people! Like, jeez." <laughs> um, but that leaves us to the last character, Ezra. Uh, so why don't you lead us? On with uh, Ezra's character and her and in, in his uh, character development. So Ezra gets a lot this season. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes for him that I just kind of marked down that were like key episodes, and some of them could probably like you could probably excuse, but for me, I was like. Like, I feel like these are important to him. So I had um, always two there are, Brothers of the Broken Horn. Um, and then I had, uh, let's see, I had um, Stealth Strike Legacy. And then 15, which is The Call, because that's the introduction of the Purgles. And I think that's just a very key episode for, um, especially the last season. Um and then I had obviously the Twilight, Twilight of the Apprentice. So those were the episodes that I had for him. Yeah, I would I would probably say uh, Twilight of the Apprentice could almost count as one episode because it is a yeah. two parter. Um, I would probably also throw in. Um, I would probably say relics of the old Republic also. Um, this was at the very end. They were surrounded uh, by yeah. uh, the empire. And this is Kanan telling Ezra like, Hey, you need to trust yourself. Um, and this is uh, Ezra being able to use the force uh, in a very meaningful way um, to, be, to yeah. have a successful mission. Um, That's a very good point. And, you know, again, this uh, at the end of that episode, also um, a very good connecting point to Ezra and Kanan in like, hey, like Ahsoka said, like, this is her friend and we we can't just abandon them. We need to save them and all of that, um, which at the very end of that episode, uh, Sabine, Kanan and Ezra all jump out of the Phantom and like Rex is like, oh, just like old yeah. times. Um, and that just warmed my heart a little bit. That was Such awesome. a great episode. Yeah. Um, so I, I would agree with all of those episodes, actually. Uh, there was uh, the uh, Brothers of the Broken Horn. Um, 
we see a little bit of that rebelling uh kid in Ezra again, you know, like mm-hmm. and and it's just the I think it's funny that they cho- they chose Hondo to be a, a key character mm-hmm. in this episode just because like what's like it's very stereotypical like oh you don't want to listen to your parents and do all this stuff like <laughs> oh go be a pirate you know um <laughs> think 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 about uh freaking peter pan like what do you what do you do you go off to neverland and fight off pirates and all stuff like that like it's a very tropey thing um yeah. so so having them together i thought was really really fun um the future of the force uh i i thought that was really really fun as well um and uh legacy well i, I think also in the very beginning um was it legacy and princess of lethal i think it was when they introduce uh clancy brown's character um uh yeah that's and, and, uh i think legacy is the first one he's in yeah um and uh we learn about his parents' fate. Unfortunately, uh, this is this is the one that we finally get uh, actual confirmation that his parents are dead. Um, from uh, Clancy Brown's character, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, Riz Amadi. Riz, that's right, Riz. Uh, um, so yeah, and that the, I, the fact that they were inspired by Ezra's speech at the end of season one um, to kind of lead that prison break. It's I think it helps. Yeah. I think it helped. Like yeah, as you'll be able to move on and stuff. I think I think that is really cool too. Um it, it is a little sad to know that like hey, they were right there. But like yeah. but it's it's still a heartwarming thing to to know that like hey, they heard me and, and they yeah. were they were they were coming to 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 try to find me. Um I think the biggest thing with Ezra this season is Twilight of the Apprentice because it yeah. leaves us on the biggest cliffhanger um, that I don't think a lot of people were expecting probably when they watched this live. Um, you you have the very uh, ignorance is bliss when it comes to, to Ezra <laughs> and his very quick relationship with Maul. Um, very trustworthy um because because in all honesty like other than the fact that they are running away from the empire this is technically what a jedi should do you know trust help protect whatever and you know maul was just whispering some sweet sweet secrets of uh (laughs) how to defeat the one enemy that they're trying to defeat right Yep. So uh this like I'm still like very awe in awe of Whitworth's performance in this episode. I thought it was very, very well done, very, very fun. And you know, at the very end, when they are able to get the holocron off of the battle station, um, again, Ezra tries to save Ahsoka, uh, they have to escape. And on the ghost, we see him at the very end of the episode, literally seconds at the end of the episode. Um, we see him with the holocron. Uh, it is starting to open and he looks up and he has what looks like red ish eyes. But I assume that is from, of course, 
the reflection of the holocron but of course it, it is the teasing that he is tapping into the dark side yeah and it, it's something that's going to be expanded upon in season three um so we'll talk about it more then uh but it's it's not only like ezra getting that um but it's just such a be beautiful episode overall um visually um getting vader back in there ahsoka finally coming to terms with the fact that vader is anakin the whole episode is just one of my favorites of star wars television and like i i can't believe it took me so long to see this episode <laughs> because <laughs> i didn't see it probably until 2020 when we were waiting um for Clone Wars season seven to come out. Yeah. And I was like, eh, you know, I need to watch. I feel like I need to watch this and like Star Wars and everything. So it was a lot. <laughs> it, I, I really enjoy this. Of course, this, uh, by this time, um, force awaken had already come out. Um, yep. which is why, uh, when they get on Malachor and they see like the giant battlefield, um, we see Ezra pick up the lightsaber, the cross guard lightsaber. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were like, Oh, it's the lightsaber. It's, it's, it's the cross guard, <laughs> um, which he's able to turn on for a split second, but then the, uh, it, it goes out, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, that entire episode, uh, I feel like we could have probably had an entire episode on just these two <laughs> episodes. Um, the discussion between Vader and Ahsoka, uh, so so good. Um, mm -hmm. it, it it's all the way from the beginning. Uh, when we, uh, I think it was, I can't remember. If it was the be I think it was the beginning of this season where Vader, like, yeah, feels her in the Force. Uh, when they're uh in that firefight at the very beginning of the season, and then here. Uh, I well actually it was in the shred of darkness we get her little moment with Anakin, um, you know, uh, and it's like yeah, oh why didn't you say, uh, no no it was it was her oh in the temple uh, she was meditating and then like you see him, um, it's like oh why didn't you like come and save me or whatever, uh, and you know it, it very clearly like irritated her and got to her and then of course here it goes full circle. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and of course, poetic for uh, for how their relationship started and ended here. Um, crazy. Um, I, I yeah. still love uh, he Darth Vader has said it many, many times. Um, so it's clearly true. But every single time Darth Vader says that he killed Anakin Skywalker gives me chills. 100%. Because it's just, it's so deadly. And you're like, uh, like, you really didn't do it, though. Like, you are Anakin Skywalker. But it's, like, at the same time, like, Anakin was dead. Like, completely dead. Until Luke came back and got him. So. It, it's frightening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that is it. Um, again, guys, uh, those are all of the characters uh in regards to of course this season does have a lot more than the first season so there will be a little bit more required viewing 
Um, but in regards to how we were kind of talking about it in the uh, aspect of like, okay, which characters are we needing to follow in order to, you know, uh, be caught up for the Ahsoka series? I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, you will need to, okay, out of the first five episodes, uh, The Siege of Lothal, Lost Commander, Relics of the Old Republic, always two there there are. Which ones do you think there uh, you need to see of those five? Because I think we're going to need to take this in segments because there's just way too many episodes. So I, okay. So I, so out of the first five, uh, I said the Siege of Lothal and always two there are. Um, my honorable mentions are the Lost Commanders and Relics of the Old Republic. Those are my only two honorable mentions. Yes, I will go ahead and say that as well. Um, I think the Siege of Lothal is important um, to all of our characters. Um, of course, it, it it does reintroduce Ahsoka into the series again because she was introduced at the very end of season one. Um, always two there are. Um, very important. Um, I think that the uh, episodes three and four are just fun overall. I think that they are yeah. really good uh, honorable mentions. Um, episodes six through ten, I'm going to go ahead and say that um, due to the fact that now we have a little bit more information from this trailer of Ahsoka, knowing that um, it is going to be heavily Sabine related also, um, I think that the uh, Blood Sisters, just to get kind of your your look at Sabine, is probably uh, something that you can watch, as well as uh, the future of the Force. What do you think? So I'm going to disagree on Blood Sisters, just because I don't think that like, I think that's giving us a little information, but I think more of Sabine's story is mainly focused in season three. So okay. I don't have Blood Sisters on my list. Um, I do have the future of the Force. Okay, okay. Um, would you say Wings of the Master? Because Hera's going to be in Ahsoka? Or no? I feel... I, as much as I enjoy that one, I feel like that one's not huge into the story. If I had to include a hero one, um, which I was debating putting this on my honorable mentions, it would be Homecoming. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, out of the next five, Legacy through the call, uh, uh, it's Legacy, Princess of Lothal, Prector of Concord Dawn, Legends of the uh, Lhasa, and The Call. I'm going to go ahead and say Legacy and The Call are going to be uh, the two that you watch from these five. Yep, that's what I got. All right. And then we're going to go ahead and gather the last uh, seven. Uh, Homecoming, uh, The Honorable Ones, Shroud of Darkness, Forgotten Droid, Mystery of Chopper Base, and then, of course, uh, Twilight of the Apprentice. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Shroud of Darkness and Twilight of the Apprentice. What about you? So, yeah, and apparently I actually did. I can't read my list that I wrote. I did actually have Homecoming in the main recommendations list. Um, okay. And I think now that I think about it, just because it ties in so much to the Clone Wars, but it also kind of gives you that opening into who Hera is. Um, like I 
said when I was debating it on the honorable mentions list. I I think that's a really good one for Hera. I I think that, like you said, like I said with Sabine, Hera, we go to Ryloth next season and we get like Hera's Calicori and stuff. So I think a lot of Hera and Sabine will come into play next season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. Shroud of Darkness and Twilight of the Apprentice. Uh, every episode that Ahsoka is a major part in, uh, we've included on this list. Yeah. Um, so uh, that will kind of get you through her story, I feel like. So looking at it, we have a total of 10 episodes with two honorable mentions. Um, uh, that being episodes three and four as the honorable mentions. So again, it is technically half of the season, but it's another half that you don't have to watch, you know? Um, <laughs> so uh, so far from our first season to our second, we're, we're literally cutting each season in half. Um which saves you a lot of time in regards to knowing what to watch. Uh, so that is nice. Um, but that is going to be it for this episode, I do believe. Nothing else on the docket uh, as of right now. Um, next week, guys, remember, we do have the last command, uh, which we will be... Dark Force uh, Rising. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dark Force Rising. Sorry. It's Dark Force Rising um, is the book review that we're going to be talking about. Um, and Katie actually brought up a really good point in our Star Wars Alliance conversation that is going to be playing a part into uh, uh, next week's conversation. Uh, we will bring that up uh, when we uh, do. Um, but it is a book review. So if you guys have not uh, read that book, um, it's going to be, of course, surrounding our discussions with Theron as well, who is also going to be making an appearance in Ahsoka. We know this already. Um, and Katie just likes to torture me with having to reread this book over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> we should have talked about it when you read it. <laughs> I'm we, sorry. We, we probably should have. Um, but we will be talking Dark Force Rising next week. Um, uh, and we probably won't get we won't get to season three of Rebels until the beginning of August. And then it's a full uh, road ahead to, of course, Ahsoka. So, yep. I think before Ahsoka starts, we've got Rebel Season 3, Tarkin, and then Rebel Season 4, right? Yes. Is that what we have? Yes, and in our discussion after Rebel Season 4 will be pre- any predictions that we have for yeah. Ahsoka. So that'll be a fun discussion to have as well. Um, but guys, thank you so much for lasting this long. Of course, uh, you can find me at FanboyClay on Twitter, on Threads, um now uh i guess we haven't really had uh the time to (laughs) pump that out now again threads is something that is still developing so we don't necessarily know how to like switch through accounts and stuff which is kind of annoying i think you have to manually sign out and then sign back in to your twitter account and then connect that it's 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 a whole mess of things but we will get to it eventually um so uh, find me on threads, find me on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, but yeah, uh, also uh, go check out Ranger Alliance and Batman News Weekly. Yes. Um, y'all, you can find me on any social media platform. It's at Slice Katie, except for TikTok. I still don't have a TikTok. Okay, y'all, I'm sorry. I'm just too consumed by other things. Um, 
if you want to find my other show on the uh, Geek Ultimate Podcast Network, that is on Twitter. It's at SliceTheFilm1. Remember, that show is going into its final month. Um, so greatly appreciate all the support that I've gotten on that show. But again, just got a lot on my plate. So um, we're closing it out, but we will be releasing Mission Impossible 7. Uh, and then Barbie and Oppenheimer to close out all of July. Um, so that will be a blast. So y'all should um, come listen in um, because a lot of good movies happening right now. Um, and I got to talk about Christopher Nolan. I'm sorry. We just got to talk about Christopher Nolan. And apparently that super steamy sex scene that <laughs> Nolan didn't know how to film about. Uh, <laughs> um, this show you can find on Twitter. It's at Star Wars Alliance without the A and the war is very important. Don't forget it. Um as we have said, Dark Force Rising and Last Command. So if you haven't read the Thrawn trilogy, um, you can either take a break from us in the next two weeks because that's what we'll be talking about. Or, you know, just come join in the fun and like make fun of Clay as, as he doesn't like Thrawn. Um, but we'll also talk a lot about Mara Jade, my favorite character. So, you know, <laughs> it's a win-win. Um, please don't skip. I am I'm, I'm kidding when I say just skip us. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the plan. And obviously any news that comes up, um, because obviously um, San Diego Comic-Con is coming. So we've got a lot of High Republic panels and publishing panels coming out of that. And I know that is a big chunk of our audience, which we greatly appreciate because I love talking about publishing stuff. So. Uh, that is what you can expect from us guys um, and as always thanks for being here um, I hope you all have a wonderful day or night whatever time day you are listening or watching and we will see you all next time may the force be with you